0: everyone, welcome to What Really Works, a mental health podcast for young adults and youth. In these podcasts, you can expect to hear us chat about mental health and provide well-being tips and tricks with the odd joke thrown in. What Really Works is brought to you by Discovery College, an initiative run by the Canadian Mental Health Association Kelowna, where lived and living experience and learned experience informs everything we do. Now let's get started with today's episode.
1: Hello, What Really Works listeners. It's Olivia and Becky here, like always. Hey, Becky. Hey, how are you doing? You know, I'm having a pretty good day. Pretty good day. I'm pretty excited for this topic that
0: we'll be covering today. Yeah, I am too, actually. I like asking and answering a lot of questions.
1: Yeah, so that's pretty much what we figured we'd do on today's episode. We've talked about a lot of different mental health topics and given a lot of responses and tips and tricks. But today what we wanted to do is maybe answer a few questions that we've seen very frequently online in our social groups that some of the listeners have actually asked us. And they're very, very common. And I think that we are going to take some time today to just discuss what some of the most frequently asked questions and uh, give
0: some hopefully good answers. Yeah. Fingers crossed they're going to be really great and educational. Yeah, well, we never know, but hopefully hopefully, we'll be good. Well, I have a question for you, Olivia, All and right. this is a very common question, especially with us working for a mental health nonprofit organization. This is a question that frequently comes up is what is the right term to use when we're talking about mental health? Yeah, that's a great
1: question. And it's something that I get asked a lot, especially by Anyone that's working in the mental health field, but also anyone who is trying to have conversations with maybe individuals that have a mental health challenge. So that's what I like to use. I like to use the term mental health challenge um, because to me, using the term mental health illness or mental illness makes it sound as though it's um, maybe something that's a bit more negative. Um, for me, I interpret it as something that is a sickness which I don't really like to think of it in that way. So I use the term challenge, but I will say it's up to whoever you are speaking to. So some individuals like to self-identify as someone that lives with a mental illness because that's just how they see it
0: in their eyes. You can always clarify with somebody. So for example, if somebody says, you know, I live with anxiety, you can always say, oh, I just want to double check to make sure that, you know, whenever we're having conversations, would you like me to refer to it as you living with anxiety or do you have a different way that you, you know, is that your most preferred way because some people like to use the specific term or diagnosis that they live with. Some people like to use the term mental health challenge. Some people like to use the term mental well-being. Some people don't like any of those. So it's just about kind of clarifying that if somebody brings it up in conversation about themselves.
1: Yeah, that's a really great point. In general, I would typically suggest that individuals use the term mental health challenge or substance use challenge because I think it's the most uh, neutral term right Mm -hmm. now. Um so if you if you do need to have a go to that's what I would suggest but then other than that I would say try to seek clarification and see where an individual is at and what they prefer.
0: Yeah, I think as always it everything's individual, right? So listen to the person who is telling you about it.
1: Speaking of mental health challenges, it can be really hard for us to determine or for society to determine What is the difference between sadness and depression? Or what is the difference between maybe those regular feelings that everyone kind of goes through in life versus a more significant mental health challenge? And that's specifically uh, confusing for folks with something like sadness and depression.
0: Yeah. I think especially just the way that things are portrayed frequently, it does make it kind of hard to understand that distinction. And it is with you know knowing that sadness is a very normal human experience and emotion everybody has sadness and it's always okay to have that experience and that emotion and feeling of sadness and you know sadness comes in many different ways for lots of us sadness sometimes means withdrawing from others um isolating feeling low you know feeling down Um, for some of us sadness comes out through anger frustration irritability but what's really important when we're thinking about sadness and that emotion is generally we can kind of think about where it could be coming from quite often with sadness it's directly related to something that we're experiencing right Um, and it might interfere with our lives at that moment in time while we're feeling sad in relation to what that situation is but maybe The distinction comes in is how much it's affecting our lives and whether we can or can't put a finger on where that's coming from.
1: Yeah I think that the most important thing that you said there is how much it's affecting our lives. So with depression typically and I identify as someone that lives with depression um, you'll notice that perhaps you can't really put your finger on what you're experiencing and why you're experiencing those emotions and The feelings that you're experiencing can last for a very long time and might not be a direct result of something that has happened in your life or is happening in your life, as well as it can interfere with the most routine parts of your life. Um, So if that's getting up in the morning, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, those little things that we typically don't think about or maybe doesn't take a lot of energy if you have depression or if you are experiencing a depressive state, those more typical aspects of your life become really exaggerated. And that's what we mean by interfering with our daily lives. Not so much interfering with maybe wanting to hang out with your friends and stuff like that. More of those like really, really
0: taking a toll on on your everyday life. Yeah, so even like you've said before, simple things of just waking up and opening your eyes. You know, the real basic things when that feels difficult for a prolonged period of time, that might be when we want to start seeking out help.
1: And, you know, even if we're just feeling sad or if we feel as though we need support, but we don't think that we are depressed or have depression, that's totally okay. Um, I think it's really important for all of us as individuals to realize that life is hard And you don't need to have depression or have a diagnosis or be in the worst possible situation in your life to be able to go and receive some support from a counselor, from a therapist, from your peers, um, from a support group. I think that those are things that we should, you know, all try to engage in at various points in our life, no matter how we're feeling.
0: Yeah, I think you're completely right, you know, normalizing that conversation, and validating those emotions no matter what they are or how we're experiencing them. That's the most important thing, right? Is we have those emotions, we have those experiences, and they're all okay. Yeah.
1: I guess kind of in this same realm, we have the question here of how can you tell if someone has a mental health challenge? That's something that we get asked a lot, that
0: we see a lot, and that's a toughie. Yes, it is, especially when so frequently in the media and pop culture it's very much portrayed as if somebody has a mental health challenge or lives with a mental health challenge that it's they it's portrayed as it's something that's very obvious however in reality most frequently that's not the case you know one in three people live with a mental health challenge or will experience a mental health challenge and do one in three people stick out like a sore thumb like no that's not how it works so so often people are managing their experiences in relation to their mental health challenge so so frequently we don't know that's something that somebody manages and copes with on a day-to-day basis
1: and I appreciate where this question is coming from of wanting to know how you can tell and I think that's because you want to be able to support people in the best way possible but even if you are perhaps interacting with someone that has a mental health challenge or someone that doesn't, we want to be able to show support in the best way possible. And it doesn't necessarily matter if that person does identify as someone with a mental health challenge. Um, Becky, I would want you to approach me in the exact same way that you would approach someone else that might be struggling or that you suspect is struggling. And that's simply just asking, how are you doing? How can I support you? What's going on for you? And if that person feels like divulging if they ha- that they have a mental health challenge or they're struggling a bit more, then that's something that will happen naturally. If, on the other hand, you do notice that someone is struggling a bit more than usual, I would really direct you to go back and listen to our episode that we did on communication and how to have conversations around mental health. I think that was episode five. So yeah, go back and listen to that one for a bit more detail of how to have those conversations. But just like any other thing that might be happening in someone's life, it's up to that person to let you know.
0: Yeah, because you're exactly right. You know, we don't want to, we shouldn't be treating people different. Just asking that question of just checking in, like, is there anything I can do to support you? And then just listening to what that support looks like and trying to provide those needs. Like That's all that we need to do. Because even if you're thinking you want to ask somebody the question of like, do you experience a mental health challenge? Like ask yourself why you want to know that because if it's just because of your own curiosity, that doesn't support that person and it doesn't actually help you help them any better. So instead just, you know, asking about that support if it's needed, that's the best way to go about that.
1: Yep. And I think You know, I'm very open about the fact that I struggle from mental health challenges, but I think a lot of people when they first meet me have no idea, and I don't necessarily, beyond my workplace, identify it as something that is a key aspect of who I am and my personality, Um, and I think that that's the case for a lot of individuals with mental health challenges. So just making sure that, like exactly like you said, you think about maybe why you want to know the answer to that question, what leads you to think that that might be the case, and how can you be the most supportive in the best way possible.
0: A frequent question I think that a lot of people ask themselves is around about medication and therapy and which one could be better or more suited for that individual.
1: I love this topic. I love it so much. (laughs) So yes, medication, therapy, what's the best Um, How can I support myself in the best way possible? Those are all, I think, at the forefront of a lot of individuals' minds, especially if you are very much struggling with, with your wellness at the moment. So for this, I would first start with thinking about what are you doing right now to support your wellness? So if you are talking to someone, great. If you're using support groups, great. If you're not and your immediate answer is, well, I might need medication, I would say let's backtrack a little bit and first let's start by talking to your doctor and letting that your doctor know what's going on for you. They'll do like a, an assessment when you go to the doctor and just kind of monitor how you're doing and what you're experiencing and see if medication might be the right route for you as well as if you are seeing a therapist or a counselor that's could potentially be suggested to you as a route that you might want to take. Um, For me personally, I had been seeing my therapist for a while, and I was managing my anxiety and depression quite well for a long time, and medication wasn't something that I decided to go on for a while. But then some things happened in my life where I wasn't managing it so well, and it was my therapist that said to me, you know, we might want to look into some sort of medication for you. And then I went and talked to my doctor and my doctor kind of said the same thing. And that's typically how that conversation comes about. I would say a combination
0: of different resources is, is the best way to go for that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think part of what's really important, what you're saying as well, Olivia, is um, doctors and therapists provide suggestions and we then make choices and decisions based on you know those suggestions those resources that are out there because at the end of the day every person's journey is individual so what works for one person might not be so helpful for another person and that's why you know, having sometimes multiple professions um, or different resources, providing that those kind of suggestions, those pieces of knowledge can be really helpful for us to kind of really pave the way of what works for us and understanding what works for us and trying those different things.
1: Yeah. And really actively making that decision. So once medication was suggested to me, I didn't actually end up taking that suggestion right away. I went and had conversations with my family members. I had a conversation with my partner at the time to see if that was something I could be supported in um, and really did a lot of reflecting if that was the route that I wanted to go as well as a lot of research because that's something that I'm interested in and then made that decision. It wasn't something that I immediately was like, oh, okay, great. So remembering that you can take the time to figure out what is right for you regardless of those suggestions. But definitely you do want to keep the suggestions of those mental health professionals and health
0: professionals in mind. And I guess this is a question that's linked to supporting ourselves and, you know, using those suggestions from professionals is good ways of improving well-being. So maybe we should even start by just saying what the well-being is because we've been talking about mental health challenges. So well-being,
1: I would say, is a bit more holistic than our mental health. So mental health is incorporated into our overall well-being. Um, Our well-being consists of things like our physical wellness, our values, our choices, maybe our diets, how well we're sleeping, just all of those different things that contribute to how we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, Like I said, mental health is included in that. So the question of how can we improve our well-being is really related to the definition of what a well-being is because the things that we can do are very diverse and kind of incorporate all aspects of our life. So we can, you know, try to have a really good sleep schedule. We can eat nutritiously. We can exercise nutritionally. We can eat nutritious.
0: <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> say the word nutritiously. nutritiously Nutritious. nutritiously yes
1: okay and we can also exercise practice self care the rest of it is kind of up to your own interpretation so figuring out what works well for you do you enjoy spending a lot of time with friends? Do you really like to spend time with your family? Do you maybe need a little bit more alone time? Do you like gardening? So just figuring out those things that overall tend to leave lend itself to your increased uh, overall wellness. Mm-hmm. But I would start out with those basics, making sure that you're getting all those those things that I just mentioned covered. But uh, do you want to talk about the, the scale a little bit, Becky, and how even if we do all of those things, sometimes we can...
0: We can still feel not so great. We kind of talk about well-being as a scale where we have like good for well-being on one end and the other end maybe not so good for well-being, and we slide up and down that scale all the time in our lives. That's how we are as humans, and sometimes we can be doing all these, you know, back to basics things of like looking after our nutrition, sleep, um, physical exercise, self-care, um, doing things that bring us joy. Um, but sometimes we can still not be feeling right at the top end of that scale and that's okay that's how we are we're going to move up and down we're going to have times where we're lower in that scale even when we are doing a lot of these things but those things will help us bring ourselves back up a little bit quicker they help us be a little bit more resilient help us be able to bounce back with our well-being um but kind of always just acknowledging and accepting we can be doing a lot for ourselves um that's really great and really helpful Um, But sometimes we're still going to slide down that scale and that's okay. But just knowing that, you know, there is going to be a time where we go back up on that scale is supportive in itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that it's important to mention that if you are someone that has a mental health challenge, maybe it can be a little bit more tough to kind of work our way up that scale. And also, you might experience a bit more fluctuations in that in that scale, maybe a little bit more up and a little bit more down, a little bit more frequently, no matter what you're doing towards your wellness, which leads to our next really important question, which is another one I really like. Mm-hmm. And it is, can people with mental illness or a mental health challenge recover?
0: Mm. Interesting word is recover.
1: I know. That's what I wanted to talk about first, too. So the term recover is uh pretty contentious i would say within the mental health community it's
0: it's definitely a love it or hate it word yeah
1: it's it's a love it or hate it word i tend to hate it i know a lot of people (laughs) that tend to love it and the reason being is because the word recover at least for me means that uh you're, you're getting over something, mm-hmm. whereas for me, at least, my, my mental health challenge is not something that I will ever get over. It's something that I will live with for the rest of my life, and at some periods, I'm managing it quite well, and at other periods, maybe I could manage it a little bit better. For other people, the word recover is very much a part of how they identify where they are at in their mental wellness journey. Maybe at one point, they were... I'm um, not so far along their journey and now they've come a really far away and they like to give some acknowledgement of that. And recover is the way that they do that of acknowledging how far they've come and how proud they are of themselves for that. So just a little tidbit about the word recover.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it comes back to before when we were talking about asking people what term to use, you know, if somebody chooses in conversation, they use the word recover to talk about their journey and their experience then that means they probably are okay with the word recovery. But if somebody is talking to you about their experience and they don't use the word recover, maybe just avoid it or even ask if I use the term like recovery, is that okay with you? Um, and hopefully that person will be honest and set that boundary with you and say yes or no. But you know, opening up those conversations is great as a starter anyway. But as for the actual question of can people with mental illness recover? Do you wanna I think it re- I think it's exa- it kind of relates exactly to how I was speaking about the word recover.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, for some individuals, they would say, yes, absolutely. I feel totally better, and I feel as though I don't struggle with this anymore. Whereas for other people like myself, it's something that I would not say that I will ever be able to recover from because it is. Something that I fully anticipate that I will be experiencing for the, the rest of my life, you know. Yeah, depression and anxiety is something that, that exists in my life, that I anticipate to
0: exist in my life for a very long time. Um, and that might change. Well, it's kind of like my rocking the shoe analogy. Yeah. Living with okay. a mental health challenge. So give us the analogy, Becky. I love this, guys, just so you know. This is so good. And I feel like it's applicable to many things that people will live with for, for their lives, right? So the rock in the shoe analogy is basically everybody knows that feeling of you're walking along and a tiniest little rock, pebble, whatever bit of grit gets into your shoe and you can immediately feel it, right? And as you keep on walking, sometimes it can be like you can feel it, it can be really painful. That, that experience of the rock in the shoe is there with you. Um, but then, you know, sometimes we can manage to roll the rock to the side of the shoe and we can't really feel it anymore. The, the rock is still in the shoe. It's still with us, but we're not experiencing that rock at that moment in time and we're managing it and we're coping with it at the side. Um and the more skilled we get at moving it to the side, means that maybe we're a little bit better at managing it. But sometimes that rock can kind of slide back under our foot, and we can kind of feel the pinch of it. And that's kind of how I sometimes like describe things. You know, living with long-term or lifelong things is that there's this thing that we're living with. And sometimes it can roll under your foot and kind of catch you, whereas sometimes we have a really great way of managing it and just keep on pushing it to the side and managing it and coping with it. And I don't know if that's kind of how you feel about living with it, like because you said, you know, you don't see it as a recovery where it's something that it's just like, yeah, I'm like, I'm over that now. Instead, it's you're you're managing it. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a perfect way to describe how I feel personally about, um, you know, mental health challenges and recovering from a mental health challenge and that whole thing. Um, whereas uh, maybe other people, because of their belief system or because of their values, might see it in a different way. But I think the way that you're describing it is typically a really good way to think about a mental health challenge because most often it is something that people will live with for most of their lives. And it's really just about learning how to navigate that, how to best deal with it, what resources and coping strategies work the best for you and um,
0: learning from that and, and living. Yeah. I love that. We have one final question, which is, (laughs) which is, Um, a lot of people might be listening because they're interested in mental health and mental health challenges but some people might be listening as well because maybe they're they're thinking maybe a mental health challenge is something that they're experiencing um so a frequent question that comes up a lot even just in my personal life I think because I am a mental health professional and that's a lot of a lot of people know that is just questions around like how can I tell if I have a mental health challenge or how can I tell if I'm Having, you know, if this is more than just sadness or grief, um, if this is more than nervousness, how can I tell if this is what is deemed as, like, not interfering with my life or when is this interfering with my life?
1: It can be so hard to tell. Um, So... What I would recommend for anyone out there that is wondering if perhaps they are struggling with a mental health challenge or just have any questions about their overall mental wellness um, or well-being, just talk to someone. You know, like if there's no no harm in it, there's no harm in talking to a peer support group and seeing a counselor at your school or um, a therapist, and just telling that person, you know, this is what I've been feeling and going from there um i think one of the one of the more significant problems that we have nowadays is the prevalence of you know kind of this self-diagnosing through social media or through uh, you know our peer groups because anxiety and depression and things like that are talked about a lot more which is great but at the same time Um, maybe rather than going and speaking to someone about our experiences, instead, we're just thinking, well, I have this and I can deal with it on my own. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say we're actually doing ourselves a disservice by doing that. Um, Whether you do have anxiety, whether you do have depression, or whether you're just going through a hard time in your life, no matter what that is, uh, it always helps to talk to someone, I think. Um, And, you know, you don't need to have a diagnosis to go and seek help or support from a counselor, from a therapist, from your friends and from your family. We all experience those hard things in life. We all have rocks in our shoe, as you say, at various moments. And I think that uh, talking about it can maybe decrease the size of that rock to maybe the size of a pebble sometimes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think we need to really normalize the idea of seeking out support, um, seeking out help from others when and just not managing everything on our own like we don't have to be a superhero and manage everything and every experience on our own and like you say Olivia we we should normalize being able to do that whether we are feeling a lot of stuff is really interfering with our lives um and creating a lot of barriers for us of whether we feel like we're doing okay but could do with a little bit of extra to kind of chat about things and see a different perspective, learn a new skill. You know, there's all that lifelong learning around ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes having a professional or a support group um, can be really helpful in doing that.
1: Yeah, and I think we'll, we'll just end it there. That's a perfect stopping point.
0: Yeah, I think we've answered quite a few questions. But if you do have more questions that you would ever want us to look at answering in the podcast, feel free to send them our way we are always open to answering those frequently asked questions in an open and honest way yeah I think the more we talk about these things the more we ask questions the more we're going to learn the more we're going to be open to these things which means the more we're going to normalize looking after our mental health whether we do experience and live with a mental health challenge or whether we're just not feeling so great with our mental well-being
1: Yeah, and you can send those questions to
0: our email, which is discovery.college at cmha.bc.ca.
1: As well as if you follow Foundry Kelowna on Instagram, we typically pop on there. So you can feel free to send us a DM through that platform and just say that this is for Becky and Olivia, what really works. And this is a question and I'm sure that we'll see it and be able to answer you.
0: Yeah, and then don't forget, if you, if you want to, to subscribe. And then that way, that means you'll always be up to date on any new episodes. If we are answering those questions for you as well, that'll be the easiest way of finding us every other week.
1: Yeah, and feel free to ask some questions in the comments too.
0: Thank you again to Staple Studio for donating the use of their podcast booth. This podcast wouldn't sound so great if it wasn't for them. So thank you very much for that.
1: And have a wonderful day,
0: everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can follow us or subscribe to What Really Works. To find more from Discovery College, go to discoverycollegecolona.com. And thanks again to Staple Studio in supporting us to produce this podcast.